Well, you are in for a special treat today. Today, you get to hear from three rehabilitation professionals. We have Cindy, who is a physical therapist, Christina, who is a speech therapist, and then me, who is an occupational therapist. And we're talking about how rehabilitation therapy can benefit your loved one or you as a family caregiver when you're helping a person living with dementia. And I invite you to stick around to the end. Christina and Cindy have a wonderful offer for you. And then remember, if you are ready to work with me a little bit closer related to helping a family member living with dementia, I invite you to go and register for my free monthly workshop and the link is in the show notes below. Hey there, success seeker. Welcome to Dementia Caregiving for Families. Do you feel overwhelmed with the daily struggle of dementia caregiving? Looking for an easier path? You're in the right place. On this podcast, we teach you the skills to simplify caregiving. We unravel the mystery of dementia and guide you through the often difficult behaviors. I'm Lizette, your host and fellow family caregiver. As an occupational therapist, I bring my professional and personal experience to this community. Here we speak the truth, but without the verbal vomit. I know you will find value in today's program, so buckle up while this flight takes off. Well, welcome back to today's episode of Dementia Caregiving for Families. And I am very excited today to have two guests, two very special guests. And they're special because they are therapists like me. And we are going to talk a little bit about physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy related to dementia and dementia caregiving. Um, but my guests today are Cindy, she is a physical therapist, and Christina, she is a speech therapist. And so I'd like the ladies to take it away and tell us a little bit about themselves and how they help people living with dementia. Excellent. Uh, so my name is Cindy, a physical therapist. I have been uh, in practice for about 30 years now, and the majority of my time has been spent in home health. And I'll let Christina take it away as far as herself and our yes, business. And I'm Christina. Um, I am a speech therapist. And I have most of my career has been spent in uh, treating people in long-term care and rehabilitation facilities in long-term care. Um, I have been doing this for probably close to 25 years, maybe 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, and as speech therapy and, and occupational therapy, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, Liz, that with us being, we're like the trifecta, right? We're like yes. the, the dream team, right? We got PTOT and ST. Um, and the occupational therapy, in my opinion, is kind of that connection between mm -hmm. PT and ST. Yes. You guys yes. always, you either work, you work with the P, you work on your own or you work with PT or you work with speech therapy. And so um, I just, I just think that's, I just think that's fascinating. And, and if anybody, you know, you get a chance to, to talk to, to the OTs and speech and PT and stuff, it's, I, I just think it'd be a great service for you to get to to just ask people about their uh, their therapy experiences. But the majority of my time has been in long term care. In particular, we had almost every long term care facility I worked in, we had a dementia care unit. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I loved working in the dementia care unit. I loved working with my my residents uh, that were living with dementia. Um, lots of times what we did, uh, we would work on, um, you know, th- in particular, we would work a lot on, on swallowing. Swallowing right. was an issue, uh, but we would also work on some cognitive things, you know, it wasn't even so much about training or educating as just getting that kind of that using that rote memory or that procedural memory and yep. making it work for that for that particular uh, individual or working with the staff and yes. showing them ways to work with their resident that they are working with uh, and what works best for their resident you know because mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a one size fits all kind of treatment thing and so i think that's why i like most about working with people living with dementia was you got to know you got to know them and know a little bit of who who they were, what they did for a living, you know, um, and and you get to reminisce with them about it, you know, I and which that. you know for speech therapy is huge, you know, that's a great way to communicate with people. Um, but we also work this with the swallowing stuff as well because it's one of the you know it seems to be one of the things that as uh, dementia progresses, people lose their ability to swallow safely, and we get a right. lot of that are aspirating uh, and they get pneumonia and they increases the risk for pneumonia. So it's, yeah, I absolutely love working not only with the residents, but also working with the family, the family caregivers too. For sure. Well, we have a lot in common because I agree with you. Um, the occupational therapist is the bridge between the physical therapist and the speech therapist. But what I've always found fascinating is if you spend enough time around PTs and OTs and speech therapists, we're actually very different people. Uh like We gravitate specifically towards a specific discipline uh, with the OT being the one that can flip either one way or the other. I always joked and called myself the MacGyver OT because I can make anything. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. And as a a PT, I'm always very jealous of that. I mean, I kind of live vicariously, but yeah. you, know, you know, I'm like, eh, maybe I should go back to school and do both. Yeah. I think Cindy, Mr. Collins, <laughs> I should have been an OT. Yeah. I've <laughs> met a few. I've met a few. Love so that. what would you guys say to people who are listening, who are family caregivers, who have maybe heard from other people that mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense because the person living with dementia isn't going to be able to be rehabilitated, Right. right. They can't necessarily improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not beneficial for them to necessarily receive PT or OT or speech therapy. And doctors will say that oh, too. Yeah. To people. I've had yeah. people say that to me. Yeah. Right. So um, what what would you say to, to a family member who has that in their mind? And why why can we, you know, what can we say to to help them understand that there's a tremendous benefit that we as the rehab professionals offered to these people and their family members mm-hmm. related to dementia caregiving, even if the person couldn't get, quote unquote, better. Yeah, right, right. As I mean, as a physical therapist, my first thing is, is you know, you know, because when you get those doctors that say, well, there's nothing, there's nothing that right. you can do, you know, there's, mm-hmm. to me, first of all, you have to try. And yeah, second exactly. of all, you don't, you don't ever want your loved one or your, your um, you know, client um, just sitting and doing nothing because we don't think there's anything that can be done. Right. You know, right. Um, there, there is always a combination of things. Mm-hmm. There are always many different things to, to try. And I know, you know, I've seen um, a lot of dementia clients and, and as far as, as that goes, everybody's at their different level. Mm-hmm. But to me, 
you know, whether it's verbal cues or tactile cues mm-hmm. or that procedural, you know, yeah. let's let's do some counting. Let's do some, you know, getting uh, uh, things in a sequence that maybe they can recall mm-hmm. Um Anything like that to, in in my opinion, as a ther- as a PT, I want them up and moving as yeah. much. I want them doing mm-hmm. as much as they can because you know we're not. You know, it just infuriates me when you know we're not just going to not do anything for yeah. them. We yeah, want them right. to be as functional as they can be, functionally um, independent. I right. think that's the big thing. Independent right. and it w- looks different. It does look different. It does, and you don't have to do it all yourself. But there can be certain levels, and and. And yeah, so when you when the doctor it gets me up and it makes me, my hair set on fire yeah. when the doctors say, well, there's really no, there's no use. Oh, please do not yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> I I 100 concur. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, and 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 one of the big things that I that I want people to understand about PT specifically related to dementia, dementia caregiving specifically at home, is there's so many tricks and techniques that the physical therapist can teach you to actually make it easier to move that person. That's right. Absolutely. But if you don't know those tips and tricks, right, then then you're making your job as the family caregiver 10 times harder because now you're working against what the yeah. person living with dementia is doing because the caregiver doesn't understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to say, I to me, I feel like the, the functional independence, you know, and letting, and maybe it's something that they have done their entire adult life, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe that skill has slipped a little bit, and maybe they need cue cards, or maybe you need to set the toothbrush, yep. toothpaste out on the counter so that that's their their visual cue, right? Right. It says besides being functionally independent, the dignity. That for me is the biggest part of it is allowing this fully grown adult to be able to maintain their functional independence with dignity. That is top of of, Mm -hmm. of mind for me whenever Mm -hmm. I treat people. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, you bring something up really interesting, Christina, related to the, you know, the toothbrush and so on. I'll never forget when when working with so many family members, one of my first cues like when I go see people is I always take them to the restroom always that's yep. my, my my big way of seeing how they're able to process their environment and what they can sure. do but I'm also very observant in the bathroom and I'm very observant of the mouth care right, right. because we all all three of us know that if if your mouth care goes away then you're more prone to getting pneumonia and other things like that but then you'll have family caregivers say something like, well, mom's not brushing her teeth anymore. Well, mm-hmm. mom's physically able to, mm-hmm. but mom can't think through the process. Right. So having these these tricks and techniques for mm-hmm. families then to understand how mm-hmm. to actually keep that functional independence, I think is so important. Did you know that caring for a person with dementia doesn't have to be this hard? If you are struggling and you would like to join our next free workshop, the topic of the workshop is three tips how to avoid challenging dementia behaviors without stress, anxiety, or burnout. I invite you to walk away with science-backed dementia caregiving skills that many professionals don't even know after attending 
this free workshop. If you'd like to register, message me the word workshop on Instagram or check out the link in the show notes below. Yeah, it really is in the, just the dignity and stuff that, that goes along with it. It reminds me of I had a I had a resident when I was in long term care that I was seeing. She uh, perseverated. She'd had a stroke mm-hmm. and she perseverated on the word whatever. And so she <laughs> you could tell. I mean, first of all, the word whatever can be off putting as far as communication. If you could have picked another whatever. word, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you could always tell what mood she was in based on how she responded with the word whatever. And so I would go, hey, you know, it's Christina and let's do some speech therapy. And if she was okay, she'd be like, whatever, you know, but if she was upset, she would cry out, whatever, whatever. And so then it was up to you to figure out what was going on. So I was working with her at a table one day and I walked up to her and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, Today's my birthday. Will you sing the happy birthday song? I've been working with this woman for a month or so. And she's like, and she, and so whatever, whatever, whatever. And so when I, I said, today's my birthday. Can you sing the birthday song to me? She sang the birthday song to me word for word because she used to sing in a choir and she, and mm-hmm. she'd say, she sang the happy birthday song. We've all sung it a million times, right? But right. she's right there and sang the whole birthday song to me. And I was just like, and it, to me, it was just a big reminder that we are still communicative human beings, regardless yes. of where you're at mm-hmm. in that process with dementia, you right, know, for it, sure. It's you know, even if it's yes and no, even if it's yes, you know, or no, or a shoulder shrug, or turning one way to your head, there's still things that we could do to communicate to our love. You know, sitting there with a magazine and going and doing that reminiscing at, with a magazine, or you know, just looking at things and co-attending to the same to the same activity. activity. Right. Yeah. For sure. And setting them up for saying yes or no, or just, you know, just even if it's just a, a grunt or whatever, it's still communication. For sure. <laughs> now, okay. probably, probably to me, the biggest thing is that that you and me and Cindy, we know this because we breathe this every single day. But right. when when you're a family caregiver at home and you haven't um, been around this, because quite frankly, you know, one of two things have happened. Your doctor hasn't diagnosed it because doctors don't want to diagnose dementia because they believe there's nothing that we can do. So therefore, why am I going to tell this family that this person has dementia, which I think is a big, big mistake. Or you're at the beginning process, you have a diagnosis of dementia, but you're still functioning, you're still coping, you're, you're, um, I use the analogy, it's a terrible analogy about the frog, you know, the frog in cold water. Um, yeah. And because you're coping and coping and coping, you don't necessarily recognize or know because you've not been around a PT and OT and a speech therapist right. uh, that how much easier your life can be if you ask your doctor to actually access these services earlier on. Yeah, right. um, I'll use Cindy as an example. I have a a client that I'm working with right now in mm-hmm. my my group that uh, the family to- told me one day, oh, but dad f- falls. He mm-hmm. fell. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, how many times has your dad fallen? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's only like once or twice a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, 
what do you mean once or twice a week? Like not even one fall, right? Right. So if a a person falls at home, Mm -hmm. the automatic thing should be call your doctor and get a prescription for a physical therapy evaluation because falling is not normal, right? right? We know that, but families don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the same thing with Christina with speech therapy. Mm-hmm. If mom or dad is eating and you notice that they're coughing or choking, that yeah. is not normal. Right. Um, yeah. And they need a speech therapist. Or right. if mom or dad can't get in and out of the tub, right? It mm-hmm. is not normal. You should yeah. be asking your doctor for a referral for therapy. Mm-hmm. Um because there is so much more that we can, whether it be at home in a long-term care facility, in an assisted living, wherever, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier before we even got on the recording, is that that we need we need families to understand that they need to advocate for themselves. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, they really Absolutely. do. They really do. And you know, the the big thing that we try to point out to families is, yeah. Uh, Changing condition, yeah. Change in condition, what does that mean? and and it can be a small change. If they're not doing what they were doing before, if mm-hmm. something has happened, in my opinion, that can trigger an at least an evaluation. Absolutely, evaluation, you yeah. know. Um, and so that's what we always try to encourage. You know, you've got to get on the phone to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and use the word change in condition. Yeah. My family members had a change in condition. That's a they're, magic, they're not, yeah. <laughs> magic phrase. Right. Yeah, I love that, Cindy. Thank you for, for saying that because it is up to us to teach families right. what to say to right. like I'm a healthcare provider. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys are, are family caregivers yet or not, but I as a healthcare provider, I have had a hard time getting the doctor. To just to navigate this for my for my dad, I'll use my dad as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed his cognitive impairment about two years before the shoe dropped. Right, mm-hmm. he he was scammed out of some money around Christmas, um, but he was still functioning pretty good. So you know you can't get involved sometimes until you can get involved. Um, but when he got super sick about two years ago, and I was able to actually get into his medical record and look at it, I read through everything. Mm-hmm. And two years before that, like around the time he was scammed, mm-hmm. the doctor actually asked him, his primary care doctor actually asked him, has anybody told you you're having a hard time remembering things? Wow. Mm. And guess what? The answer was, yes, my daughter. Oh. <laughs> and wow. guess what? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah. if if us as healthcare providers, yeah. uh, the takeaway for people is if we as healthcare providers have a hard time navigating right. the healthcare system, mm-hmm. it is more challenging for people who are not yeah. healthcare providers. And it's up to us as healthcare providers to teach right. them what to do. So the words change in condition yep. right. is exactly what you, you need to do. So I actually want to switch tracks just a little bit and talk to Christina. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to talk to Christina is a couple of, uh, well, number one, it's near and dear to my heart. But we were talking earlier um, in the conversation about aspiration, right? Which for people who don't know what that means, just means something went down the wrong way. Yeah, okay. um, can you give people who are listening who might be helping somebody at home 
some things to look for related mm-hmm. to when things are going down the wrong way. Because like we said earlier on, eating and drinking mm-hmm. is one of the things that ultimately causes people living with dementia to not thrive anymore. Right. Um, can you give people some things that they could look for at home? Yeah, because, you know, first of all, not not everybody when something goes down the wrong tube will cough. And right. we call that silent aspiration. Anything that gets below your vocal cords and it's on its way down to your lungs, you've aspirated it. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you can expectorate it. It's still considered aspiration. Um, and a lot of people can, some people can live with a lot of things going down in their lungs. Uh, and some people just takes one time. But usually the common denominator, common denominator is at some point in time, you might get pneumonia. <laughs> you might get aspiration pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking for things that aren't, obvious like coughing or choking um would be like runny a runny nose watery eyes sneezing mm-hmm. you know uh things that we don't necessarily equate to it now if you it, let's say somebody's had a kind of a, maybe they they were sneezing after you know during a meal they were sneezing um it could something could be gone have gone down the wrong tube so i'd say maybe 30 minutes after the meal to an hour after the meal take their temperature people that actually aspirate because that's a foreign substance in the wrong place in your body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's in your lungs. The, it's a it's an invader to your body and you'll spike your temperature like you have an infection. And so, but you'll spike it and it'll go back down to normal. So I usually tell my people, you know, if you're concerned about, first of all, tell your doctor. Yeah. And to, mm-hmm. First of all, tell me how often this happens. Um, and then make sure you let your doctor know because mm-hmm. there are things you can, there are x-rays, a modified barium swallow study, or mm-hmm. what we call a cookie swallow study, that can be done uh, to actually watch your loved one chew and swallow this barium cookie uh, and watch it go down and see where it's getting hung up, or is it going down the wrong tube? Is, are you just, is it just penetrating to your vocal cords, or are you aspirating it? You know, and we could just tell a lot from that. Um so I would make sure that you let your your physician know. But just those little tiny things, you know, watery eyes, runny nose, you might spike your temperature, maybe some throat clearing, not necessarily coughing. Um, I want I want people to know too the difference between coughing and choking. We get I had a I was working with a woman uh, for swallowing issues, and I had a CNA tell me that he gave uh, my patient the Heimlich maneuver when she was choking. Well, she wasn't choking. She was coughing. So she was able to get air because she could cough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he broke a couple of her lungs, giving her the oh, Heimlich her maneuver. Oh. Yeah, He broke her, sorry, her ribs, giving her the Heimlich maneuver when he really didn't need to. And so I, I needed to go in. I went in and educated the CNAs on what's the difference between the two. So I think that's important too. And, you know, something else, this doesn't help. <laughs> and lifting your arms up over your head does yeah. not or whacking them on the back. That's, that's, yeah, that's not a thing. We're just talking. So one chair. of my favorite ones when when people are taking their pills and they throw their head back. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. You want to see a speech therapist? My hair go fire. <laughs> do that around a speech therapist. I mean, like, whoa, yeah. Don't talk your head back. But it's. I mean, what we do that right? As yeah, everybody does that. Everybody yeah, does for sure. That. Man, yeah. So those so, are some things to see. One of the things that I find fascinating when I would work in home health or when I would be with somebody and, you know, some of the signs and symptoms that you talked about, they take a drink and then a couple of seconds later, they're clearing their throat or they're, they're coughing or whatever. Um, And then you'll, you'll ask the family or you'll ask whoever's in the room. So how often does your mom, you know, 
cough. <laughs> cough on drinking. And so, oh, no, that's always, she's been doing that for years. Or, um, no, she's not choking. She's not, it's not going down the wrong way. And yeah, so I want people to understand that every time they put, they're putting the person that they love at risk mm-hmm. for getting pneumonia. And pneumonia, you know, can put them in the hospital or can alter change their life or even have them pass away because of the pneumonia. So yeah, it's, I always tell my patients, pneumonia is nothing, nothing to mess around with. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So my dad actually, when he got sick two years ago, I don't know if I ever shared this with you guys, um, but he, he had two separate hospitalizations. He was in the hospital, kind of had COVID, lots of other stuff going on. But I think during that period of time that he was in the hospital when he had COVID, he was so sick, he actually aspirated something. And 30 days later, we end back up in the hospital. He had a seven and a half centimeter by five centimeter abscess in his lungs from aspirating. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, changed his life. You know, wasn't swallowing problems. He he was just so sick. He aspirated something because he was so ill. I mean, you can Uh, aspirate your own secretions. You know, I've done that all you know, a lot, you know, it's, and it's it, still, and it's still, it's still aspirating. And even though it's your own secretions, the mouth is not a very clean environment. Yeah. And if you aspirate saliva, even that has some bacteria it's down in your lungs and that increases your risk for developing aspiration pneumonia. Yeah. It's scary. For sure. Did you know that caring for a person with dementia doesn't have to be this hard? If you are struggling and you would like to join our next free workshop. The topic of the workshop is three tips how to avoid challenging dementia behaviors without stress, anxiety, or burnout. I invite you to walk away with science-backed dementia caregiving skills that many professionals don't even know after attending this free workshop If you'd like to register, message me the word workshop on Instagram or check out the link in the show notes below. Yeah. Wow. What a conversation. I wasn't expecting any of this. um, Cindy actually mentioned something before we we started the recording. Um, We were just kind of chatting about what we were going to talk about. Cindy, talk a little bit about when you go and work with people in home health, right? And you're either, there there are two scenarios here. You're working with a person who has dementia and -hmm. a family caregiver is involved. And then you're working with a person who doesn't have dementia, but the family caregiver does have dementia and some of the challenges Mm -hmm. that those uh, cause or results in when you're doing home health. Right, right. Uh, You know, the biggest thing is, is the, the understanding of, you know, of the dementia, the, 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 whichever the, the involved patient or the, the caregiver, um, in, in trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what is needed as far as the path of treatment, um, um, to get past that, especially, you know, if you have a, if you have a caregiver that's actually is the one that has, dementia, you know, you start wanting to try to get other people involved, mm-hmm. other family members involved to try to make sure that the the caregiving is safe, you know, for the individual 
um, that is needing the care at that time. Um, but you know, the, the, the individuals that were treating with dementia, it's very interesting because again, we talk about, you know, no one, no two people are the same. Yeah. And it's it's a it's kind of a puzzle in trying to figure out what is it, what is it that's going to help their caregiver, you know, especially on the physical part for me, the, you know, getting them up, getting them off the toilet if they need more help. There's been time and time again that you may go into a house and they're like, oh, you know, mom is not getting up. We're we're having to lift mom out of the chair. Um, and, you know, trying to just figure out that and, and maybe it's step by step verbal and, and tactile touching cues, you know, and saying, mm -hmm. OK, let's move this hand here and or hand over hand tactile cues. You know, mm -hmm. you take your their hand and place it. And it's amazing to see because then the family member turns around and is like, wait a minute, How'd you do that. She just got up. I? She's got the touch. Yeah. Magic, right? It's yes. magic. And that, that's the it's, it's like a mic drop. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And and then, it, you know, I've I've been doing this long enough now that I have also realized that, especially in later stage dementia, people with later stage dementia, that sometimes I'm not the right person, yeah. even though I have all the skills. And I'll right. never forget this one particular gentleman. He's passed away now. I stayed in touch with his family for a long, long time. Sweetest, sweetest guy. Had a grandson who was his primary care partner. Mm -hmm. And he would do anything for his grandson. And I'll never forget this. I had a student. So now, you know, I'm... I'm trying to be the the you know the the I got this right. I, I got a student watching me. I've got this patient with with severe end stage dementia, but he was ambulatory still, and yeah. he you know he he wasn't speaking much anymore. He spoke words, but he he would laugh. He would always laugh at me, and I was trying to show her a, a technique yeah. to get him up out of a chair. Mm -hmm. And I know full well, give him enough time. So I gave him the prompt and I said, stand up. And we waited and we waited. And then I tried the tactile cues. I did everything, everything to help that guy get up out of the chair. Mm -hmm. Finally, I stopped. I looked at my student and said, I'm like, his grandson's going to get him up. Yeah. <laughs> grandson walked over yeah. and he's like, grandpa, come. Yeah. Popped right up out of the chair. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I use that example because I want families to understand that, you know, it is a trust thing sometimes, too, mm -hmm. for the person who has dementia. And if they don't trust mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. caregiver, whether it be a paid caregiver or not paid, like I was a paid caregiver at that moment, then they're not going to feel comfortable or safe in doing Right. Uh, whatever it is that you know we we can do but uh, there's just so much benefit that that every person at every phase of a dementia caregiving journey can get mm -hmm. from actually having skilled therapy in the house right yeah right but right. i also want to you know i'm going to throw therapists under the bus for a second mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not all therapists are created equal correct That's correct and you know, not all therapists should be treating people living with dementia. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not their forte. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you have a quote unquote, as a family, a bad experience with a therapist, perhaps coming in, an OT who only does arm exercises with somebody who doesn't need arm exercises or 
you know, whatever the case might be, just remember that that particular therapist might not be really good with working with people with dementia. And that doesn't mean that the therapy didn't work. Yeah. Right. It just means the therapist didn't work. Right. Yeah. Or they might not mesh. Their personalities might not right. mesh. We don't, we all don't like the same people. So, yeah. right. You know, yeah. Right. And I got and, in trouble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there again is, is the advocacy, you know, yeah. and in, in knowing, hey, it's okay to change. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to yeah. ask for somebody different. It's okay mm-hmm. to go with a different company. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, it, like you said, we don't want them just to try once and stop. Yeah. Uh, we certainly don't want that. Um, so yeah, that's I guarantee it. you the therapist has other patients they can see, right. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, don't worry. You're, you're not going to hurt, you're not you're hurt their feelings. feelings. Yeah. Right. And if you've been a therapist longer than five minutes, you know, yeah. you're not going to mesh with everybody that's and right. it's okay. And you're not going to fight in bulk because, oh, somebody said they're not written, you know, they can't work with you. Right. Um, yeah. it, it's okay. We got pretty thick skins, you know, yeah. if, you're, if yeah. you've been a healthcare provider for a while. Oh yeah. So, Tell us a little bit about what you guys do with Adaptive Equipment Corner. So uh, so Cindy and I, we were still in our um, therapy careers at the time when we started it. Um, and at the time, we were both in home health. I was mm-hmm. working in home health at the time, too. Uh, and we were thinking, you know, because we were we just started bringing our laptops into the home, uh, but we were still doing paperwork and stuff. We were making that transition. So Cindy and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be helpful for us mm-hmm. if we would make these little short videos of frequently asked questions that therapists get all the time, put them on YouTube for anybody to see, take mm-hmm. our laptops and set our caregivers up with the videos mm-hmm. while we did paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know, so we didn't. It have was to do a, it it's out. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so we started that doing that in 2015, mostly for ourselves, and then in 2018 it started getting traction on YouTube. So we decided to develop a website, uh, and then we developed a uh, a platform to house our videos that we have. And currently, today we have over 200 videos uh, in that uh, caregiver resource library is what we call it uh, at aecorner.com, and um, we sell it for a subscription. So, mm-hmm. so what Cindy and I do, we're really just truly therapy nerds. We mm-hmm. make videos to show people, caregivers or, or, or senior partners, you know, uh, senior spouses or even professional caregivers, mm-hmm. uh, how to provide safe care to a loved one or to a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sell that as a subscription. So that's kind of what we're doing. In the, in the meantime, while we were selling that, you know, we started doing that as a business model. We got a lot of companies that would send us their product. And so we started putting, we started taking these products and we found that, especially in home health, you, you're just like, man, if this caregiver just had the right tool, their life would be so much easier. You know, so matching the product up with the caregiver, you know, people don't know what they don't know. So they start sending these products. So we started making these quick little videos to show people, this is what this is. This is the people that would benefit from it. And here's how, here's where you can find it. Right. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's not for you, you know? And right. so we've got all of that stuff out on our YouTube channel. So, and then I always like to tease Cindy, we're, we're all over, we're all over social media. We're yeah. on, we're on Instagram and Facebook and and I always tease Cindy, we're going to change the, the name of our TikTok uh, account to two old ladies on TikTok. Yes. Because <laughs> we get a lot of followers on TikTok too, which is, you know, it's, which is great because we got different, there are different kind of audiences that we serve yes, on each for sure. platform. So we try to make sure we, we get them all. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we do now. And then we've got, so now we've got all these products and what we do, what we've been doing is uh, packing them up in our van and we got a minivan, packing them up in the minivan and going to senior health fairs and um, to caregiver health fairs mm-hmm. and setting up a booth. We look like a, we look like a flea market because <laughs> we've got so many products and stuff, but then just giving people the opportunity to engage with these products because you can get any of it online, but it sure. doesn't, you know, how to use it safely. Mm-hmm. So giving them the opportunity to engage with the product and then ask the therapist questions about their specific situation. So yeah. I love it. So speaking about the the video library, I've had the privilege of actually seeing your video library. And there is there's so much gold there. One of the biggest things that I truly, truly appreciated about the, the, the level of depth and time that you took to actually code things for people so that people know where to go actually look like what's you know, when somebody's only needing a little bit of help or needing a little bit more help or needing a lot of help. And that was yeah. extremely valuable. Excellent. And then the other thing that I really um, appreciate about what you guys are doing is the way that your your educational videos are put together are so practical. You know, Thank it's you. not uh, therapy talk Um you know the the we we can pull out the big fancy words all three of us um but but you you bring it down to a level for people to actually it's practical like mm-hmm. practically how can you use this particular thing to help you with this particular problem so yeah. thank you for doing that for yeah. for the the people out there because there's just so much value in in it a lot of your videos are are free because they're on youtube but yeah. a lot of the caregiver videos that will make somebody's life easier for them mm-hmm. really is behind the the subscription model. And I'd really encourage people the, the price that you have things at is ridiculous. I mean, it's less than the price of a takeout pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, if you consider what one month in a nursing home is, right. It, whether you're the family caregiver who gets hurt mm-hmm. because they didn't know how to transfer somebody or a person living with dementia who gets hurt because the people don't know how to help them. Right. Mm-hmm. A little investment yeah. yeah, to help you keep somebody at home if that's your desire. Yeah. I just think is well worth it. Thank you. Thank we you. we try to we try to keep the video short. We re, we we appreciate the time that caregivers or the lack of time that caregivers have. Mm-hmm. We try to be respectful of that time by keeping the videos around five minutes if if mm-hmm. possible, you know, and um, we also each subscription when you subscribe, it's a monthly basis and you can cancel any time. Yeah. So maybe you're bringing mom home and you need to learn how to do transfers, you know, from mm-hmm. the hospital and maybe she had a knee replacement, you know, $10 a month for yeah, the meal. It's you worth it. How to do it. Yeah. And then uh, when you're done with your caregiving journey, you can cancel your subscription. So we just, mm-hmm. we just really want to help people. We want to help caregivers and individuals live at home as long as possible. That's right. For sure. That's what everybody wants anyway. Mm-hmm. So how can people connect with you guys afterwards if they're interested in finding out more? 
Yeah. If they want to go to our website at mm-hmm. aecorner.com, we have a contact page. You could call us. You could send us an email. Uh, you can come find us on your favorite social media channel. That's right. uh, you can go out. look for the two old ladies on TikTok. Two old ladies on TikTok. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's and right. you can find all of our social media handle channels at the mm-hmm. bottom of our website. Yep. At aecorner.com. Yeah. Yep. And we can put all of that in the show notes too for people. Right. And I can tell you um, from personal experience, working with you guys has been a blessing. You are very gracious and very um, easy to communicate with and always willing to help. That's been the biggest thing to me is I can see the, um, you know, the the caring that you guys have for the people that you're serving and you're doing such a good job. Yes, so, very good. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. Thanks Thank for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. We, we're going to do this again. That's yeah, right. Excellent. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining me today, Success Seeker. I pour my heart and soul into this program to serve you. You can serve me by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And join our free Facebook group, Dementia Caregiving for Families. It's a positive and proactive space to navigate dementia caregiving together. Get practical tools and find support, but without the verbal vomit. Be a part of our community where we seek to find peace of mind and ease, despite the dementia diagnosis. So join today and see you next time as our flight takes off.